0: Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, and welcome to Locked On Irish. Today is Monday, October 16th. So, thank you for getting your week started here by making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and now I'm a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And this episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked College for $20 off your first purchase. What a win. <laughs> I mean, how else do you start it other than what an unbelievable win? By the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they dominated their arch rival, USC Trojans, 48-20 to 20, at home in front of a sold-out crowd in South Bend. And what a truly magical night it was for the team, for the fan base, and for the entire program because things were not going great going into that game, to be honest with you. I was very down on where things were with the program, and I want to start by saying I was so hilariously wrong about this game and what Notre Dame was going to do against USC. So to everyone who listened last week, whether it was on this show or other podcasts that I was on, hell, I was on Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, which is our preview show that we do every Friday here. You should go check it out. And I was a guest on last week, and I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling good about this. I think Notre Dame could potentially lose by double digits. The host, Drake, was so – he was so taken aback by my reaction. He was like, who hurt you? And I said, Notre Dame football, because that's kind of how it felt after Notre Dame's loss to uh, Louisville, and I'll admit there was certainly more of a personal investment in that game considering Louisville is where I'm from. A lot of Louisville fans uh, in my friend circle, all of that. So I was certainly hearing about it all of last week, and then going into that game against USC, living out here in Los Angeles, I worked with a bunch of USC people. They all thought that they were going to smack Notre Dame, and I had basically bought into it at that point. I was like... Man, the way things are going with this Notre Dame team, I expected them to basically lay a dud, and they did the exact opposite of that. So credit to Marcus Freeman for getting the team ready to play. Credit every single player on the Notre Dame roster, every single fan who's in attendance for that game, cheering on for their Irish because it was near perfect. It wasn't perfect. There were certainly some things that Notre Dame needs to do better. I'll get into that at the end. But really, I couldn't have scripted it better. In my wildest dreams, I could not have imagined Not only Notre Dame winning in the way that they did, but it being more satisfying than what it was. Because, obviously, I'm not a huge fan of Caleb Williams. I think he's an amazing football player. Definitely one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time. I don't love his personality. I don't like that he had FND on his fingernails. And for whatever reason, everyone in the national media forgot that he also did that to Notre Dame. It wasn't just Utah, but I remember— I remember how he acted in that win over Notre Dame last year, and I know how he is. I, I guess I should say I, I understand what his personality is. I wonder, understand what it's about, um, and I don't like any of it. So watching Notre Dame not only dominate USC's offensive line physically, but then just getting after Caleb, sacking him six times was truly great in the best moment of the night was on the broadcast, I believe it was after Caleb Williams' second interception. They showed him on the sideline, and they even mentioned it. Uh, Jack Hollinsworth pointed out how he was yelling at his teammates, trying to get them riled up. He was very animated. He was yelling at the line. He was, he was yelling at anyone who would listen. And the look on the on his teammate's face when he was laying at him, they were not listening. They did not care. And that was just... Mm. It was rich. It was rich as a Notre Dame fan. But the reason that that happened was because Notre Dame's defense played out of their minds. And my first takeaway from this game is that I believe it was the most impressive defensive performance by any Notre Dame defense since Oklahoma in 2012. And I honestly think Saturday's game by the Notre Dame defense was actually better than that. But it was the first thing I could think of because back in 2012, Oklahoma's offense, they finished 16th in the country that year in scoring offense, and Notre Dame shut them down, held them to 13 points, caused a bunch of turnovers, won at their place. But Caleb Williams, man, he is a special, special talent, and they are so loaded at wide receiver and at running back, Marshawn Lloyd, Austin Jones. They held them in check all night. The game plan by Al Golden was truly phenomenal, like a masterclass By a coach. And I tweeted this out. Al Golden is really damn good at his job. And there are a lot of Notre Dame fans who owe him an apology because not only was his game plan against USC great, Notre Dame's defense has been great all year long. They have given Notre Dame a chance to win in every single game. The offense hasn't always been able to live up to it. And yeah, if you want to tell me the third 19 play against Ohio State, yeah, one bad play does not define an entire season worth of defense. And this Notre Dame defense has been lights out all year long. The way that they had Caleb Williams guessing, he never knew where the rush was coming from, and sometimes it was only four guys. Notre Dame's defensive line had another really incredible game, and then the linebackers behind him played great. I think that was J.D. Bertrand's best game of his career. He finished with 11 total tackles, six solo, half a sack, uh, and a tackle for loss, including an unbelievable play on that fourth and one when he just blew up both Caleb Williams and the running back at the mesh. And it felt... Like the reverse of the Louisville game when Xavier Watts, uh, and I'll get into his his performance in a second because I mean unbelievable performance by zero there. From the first drive when Caleb Williams airmailed that one pass to the tight end, it gets picked off by Xavier Watts. He almost returns it for a touchdown, and then Notre Dame was able to punch it in. You knew that Notre Dame was ready to go, and it was a great feeling. It reminded me of Clemson in 2020 when Kyron Williams broke off that huge touchdown run right at the start of the game, and you're like, all right, this is going to be a different night here. It felt like that immediately after the Watts interception, then once Notre Dame was able to score. And Notre Dame desperately needed that because, as I was saying at the beginning, Things were not great. I did not feel good about this game. I know a lot of the people that I spoke with, even Greg Flamung, when I had him on the podcast last week, he didn't think Notre Dame was going to win. Matt Fortuna wasn't particularly confident when he talked on the show last week either. I'm talking to Luke Smith before he goes into the game, and I'm like, how are the vibes? How are you feeling? And he's like, not great. And he was walking into the stadium. And look, I understand it from the Notre Dame side of things. That loss to Louisville was really... Really tough, a bitter pill to swallow for all the fans of the team and everyone. But for the team to get up on their eighth straight game and play like they did and execute like they did for 60 minutes of football was just truly incredible. And I, I love that I'm wrong about this. It feels so great. Whatever your expectations were for the game, I, don't, I can't imagine there was a Notre Dame fan out there who was rational about this who thought Notre Dame was going to shut down Caleb Williams and a Lincoln-Riley-led offense so badly That it was actually their worst offensive performance by any Lincoln-Riley-led offense since he's been uh, the head coach of Oklahoma or USC. I got that stat from Jamie Uyayama from Irish Sports Daily. Notre Dame held them to 4.1 yards per play, not per carry, per play. And that is the lowest number for any Lincoln-Riley-led offense since he became the head coach at Oklahoma. And it was a great way to sort of bounce back and get some redemption after what Lincoln-Riley and USC's offense did to Notre Dame last year and you can uh, tell that some of those guys who didn't play, like Cam Hart and Tariq Bracey, who's not on the team anymore, those guys were not available in that game, and Cam Hart was available on Saturday. Thomas Harper was back from his concussion that he suffered. They were back. They were ready to play. They made some huge plays, and Notre Dame was able to get a huge win. It was truly something special because what the defense was able to do, given the circumstances, given the opponent, to shut them down in the way that they did, Um, It doesn't happen often. I said it was the best defensive performance since Oklahoma 2012. I really cannot pinpoint one that was better than that in the past two decades. And maybe I'm missing one. Maybe there's going to be someone in the comments who tells me I'm an idiot and points out a game that I, I miss. But to shut down the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, he played the worst game of his career. Most interceptions in the game, all in the first half held him in check, both as a runner and as a thrower, that just doesn't happen often. It takes a truly special unit to be able to shut down an offensive attack with that much firepower, and that's exactly what Notre Dame did on Saturday night. So great job by Al Golden, created an, an incredible game plan, but also a ton of credit to the players on the field who were able to execute, play in, and play out. And there is so much more I want to say about that team and that defense, but specifically, Xavier Watts in his all-time performance against USC, and that's coming up right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all of the fun you're going to have. If you plan on attending the Pittsburgh game uh, a couple weekends from now and you're still in need of a ticket, GameTime is the perfect place for you. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when they arrive, and you can buy tickets Tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. And then the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will do more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience, and you can watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. I've been playing Prize Picks recently, and I have no idea why I waited so long. And what I love about it is that you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals and sharks. So go to prizepickscom slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom slash college, Code college for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Before we move on, I wanted to remind you to please like the video below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast, please take a moment to rate the show five stars, leave a review, and of course, subscribe. So now that I've talked about Notre Dame's defensive performance as a whole, I really wanted to focus on Xavier Watts and highlight his individual performance, because I think it is the greatest individual performance by a Notre Dame defensive player of my lifetime. It was that special. And shout out to Greg Flamong, his second one of this podcast, actually. He tweeted... Not long after uh, Xavier Watts' first interception, he made a key tackle on third down. And Greg tweeted, Xavier Watts might be in for a special one today. And boy, was he right, because Xavier Watts was incredible in this one. His stat line, he finished with seven total tackles, six of which are solo, two picks, a pass defended, and a fumble recovery returned for a touchdown. It's rare that you have a safety make that kind of an impact in a game. It's just difficult because they're playing far away from the ball. Sometimes the action can go away from them, especially if you're having that kind of a game. The offense can just go the other way and try to avoid you. But Xavier Watts was in on everything, and he made a great play on that first interception. Now, granted, the ball was kind of thrown to him directly by Caleb Williams in the face of pressure, but that second interception was great, and he was just all over the field. He's making tackles. He was just keeping up with USC speed because what USC has on the outside is unbelievable. Like, their receivers are so loaded. Mario Williams, Zachariah Branch is insane. It's going to suck having to deal with him for two more years. But he has the athleticism to match that. I was thinking about the spring and when I was doing this podcast and we're talking about potential breakout players this season for Notre Dame, there was a lot of talk about Xavier Watts. He was having a really impressive spring practice. In the fall, you didn't hear as much about him. Maybe that's because the expectation for him had risen. It had elevated after he had a really good spring. But this was the type of game where you look at him in a completely different light from now on. Like After that performance, he's clearly one of the best players on the team. And now going forward, he's going to be a guy that you can count on on the back end of the defense because Notre Dame's corners played outstanding for the most part. I know that Benjamin Morrison had some penalties. He gave up that touchdown to Rice. It's going to happen when you're playing USC, especially when Caleb's running around for as long as he was on that touchdown play. Cam Hart, great game by him. But Notre Dame was desperately lacking that elite playmaker at the back end. Of the defense, they really needed that safety. And Xavier Watts has been a pretty solid playmaker this year for Notre Dame. But on Saturday, he solidified himself as one of the best players on the entire team with truly an all-time performance because it, it, it felt right for him to get that touchdown at the end, even though the game was out of hand, for him to recover that fumble and finally get in the end zone because he was really close the first two times. And he didn't. I was actually pissed off when he didn't because I was like, damn, I don't know if the offense is going to be able to punch it in because the offense had their struggles in that game as well but he was just able to completely change the dynamic of this game with his first interception. As I alluded to earlier, it totally changed the energy, at least from the fan base, going into this one. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, wow, Notre Dame is ready to go and make a play. But you also have to give a shout-out to Marcus Freeman as well because the pressure on him was up big time after that loss to Louisville. And it should be, for the record. Like, he's not exempt now of the Louisville game because – Notre Dame was able to get a big win over uh, USC. That loss to Louisville was inexplicable still, especially considering they got housed by Pitt this past Saturday. I don't know how that happened. We'll talk about it later. But that that conversation is more for after the season when we look at the season as whole. Well. I really want to focus on this game. And I don't know if any of you caught this, if you're watching it on the broadcast. When he was interviewed before the game, Marcus Freeman looked like he was oozing confidence in a way that we haven't seen a lot of, uh, at least lately. I talked about his body language during the Louisville game and how I was really disappointed with the way he looked. It was the complete opposite before the game started against USC. And uh, the people I was watching with my roommate, he was a USC guy, even pointed out, he's like, oh, wow, he looks ready to go. And he looks like he's very confident. And he said as much Marcus Freeman did. He said, my guys are ready to go. They answered the call for him. They played great. But I really think that this is Marcus Freeman's most impressive win as a head coach. Far more impressive to me than the Clemson win last year because that Clemson team wasn't that good, even though they were a top five team at the time and they were undefeated. Getting your team ready after a loss like that to Louisville when the college football playoff is no longer in, in the conversation anymore and you have to get the team ready on their eighth game in as many weeks going into the bye with all the pressure that was on him and this team to get them ready to go against the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and in another undefeated top 10 team was just unbelievable. And it's validation of Marcus Freeman as a leader. There's still some game management questions I have about Freeman. It's probably going to be a long time before he answers all those. But these are the wins that he needed. And this one especially, considering the circumstances, considering the lead-up and everything that had happened, Marcus Freeman needed this win more than anyone. And boy, did he deliver. It was an unbelievable scene after the game, post... I guess I should call it a field storm, but it wasn't really a true field storm because it was like pretty casual one at that but I'm not going to be the field storm police on this one if the students want to get on the field and celebrate with the players so be it so they got to enjoy that and then as they were leaving Marcus Freeman was exiting uh his post-game press conference and then the students saw him they started chanting uh his name and he got them all riled up and then as Sam Hartman started to speak in his press conference he could hear the we love Freeman chants and Sam Hartman was like me too man it was just a really special moment and this is why fans want him to succeed so badly because he's a great guy, he's charismatic, but most of all, he loves Notre Dame. He wants to be a part of it. He wants to be involved in everything that makes Notre Dame special. So for him to get a win like that, considering the pressure that was on him going into it, was great for him. I'm so happy for him. I'm sure there's probably a weight lifted off his shoulder now, and he can at least relax a little bit going into this bye week. But we needed to see that as a fan base because Marcus Freeman's only in his second year as head coach. He still has so much to learn. But he has shown the ability to get his team ready to play on Saturdays, especially when everyone on the outside, myself included, is doubting if they can do that. And I thought that was really impressive by Freeman. And uh, I hope that this is something that he can continue to build off of as the season goes along. Because even if Notre Dame doesn't make the college football playoff this year, which isn't going to happen now that they have two losses, there's still so much that Notre Dame can build off of based on what happens at the end of this year, looking forward to next season and beyond. Because... It's early in the Marcus Freeman era. There's certainly signs that things are trending in the right direction, that Notre Dame is going to get where they need to be in terms of a talent acquisition uh, standpoint. But everything comes down to the outcomes on Saturdays. And when you lose a game like that to Louisville, all that other stuff that happens in the offseason gets put into question, like, does this even, is this even relevant when you're getting your ass beat by Louisville in the way that you did? But the ability to bounce back after the loss to Louisville, get the team ready for USC and dominate in the fashion that they did was a really impressive uh, coaching performance by Marcus Freeman. And I have a lot of faith that he's going to be able to build off that throughout the rest of the season. And now the question is, is Notre Dame going to be able to run the table and go 10-2? and I'll answer that coming up right after this. College football season is here, and this season, the Locked On Podcast Network is kicking up our coverage with a new show called College Football Kickoff Live, which airs every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover everything going on in the sport and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of college hosts covering their team every day. Now time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Sam Hartman has done for the Notre Dame football program, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They're full of flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. So as we start to take a step back here and look at the big-picture implications of Notre Dame's win over USC and what it means for the rest of the season and the program, I think a lot of fans are wondering, is Notre Dame going to be able to win out now that they knocked off USC? They have four games left. They've got Pitt, they've got Clemson, they've got Wake Forest, and they've got Stanford. So the schedule does ease up a little bit. So given that the schedule is lighter now in these last four games, and considering what Notre Dame was able to do against USC, I think that they should win out. They are certainly capable of winning out. I think they are better than every team left on the schedule. But I don't know if they're going to win out because there are still some issues on offense. And the weird thing about this season and this team specifically is that there has not been a ton of carryover week to week. Whenever you think one thing is fixed and that it's going to continue to improve, then all of a sudden the next week it doesn't happen. It's the whole reason why I was so shocked that Notre Dame was able to dominate USC like they did. You could look at it, um, the Duke game after the Ohio State game, how they looked in that game, and you thought that the offensive line would start to dominate based off their performance against Ohio State. It has not been linear for this season. So if you were to look at the box score, just really the final score, and say, wow, Notre Dame won 48-20. to The offense really got back on track. I'm sure Sam Hartman lit it up, and that is not what happened. Sam Hartman actually only finished with 126 yards passing. That's actually less than 40 yards more than Drew Pine did in the win over Clemson last season. He was a game manager. Now, he did hit the one big touchdown pass to Chris Tyree in a spot where the offense desperately needed to make a play. He did. He stepped up and he made a play. But it felt like they were being very conservative with Hartman in this one. I'm not really sure why. But USC's defense was able to hold Notre Dame to just 251 yards of total offense. And the big reason why is because Notre Dame's third down offense right now is really bad, it's terrible to be honest with you. This is becoming a trend. They had completed 25% of third downs in the previous two games. That number increased a little bit this week to just 30%, but still, that's not acceptable. USC, on the other hand, finished 6 of 13, and Notre Dame is going to need another wide receiver to step up because right now, Jordan Faison, the converted walk-on lacrosse player, is Notre Dame's best receiver. He got a little bit more action in this one. He actually only played 12 snaps, but he was much more a part of the game plan, and I understand why. He's very fast, and he's a productive player, especially with the ball in his hands. Like I loved that reverse call. But Jared Parker is still in his first year as an offensive coordinator, and it's showing. I still have a couple issues with this scheme, but... I also don't want to be too negative about the offense because they did step up when they needed to. They converted 21 points off USC turnovers. And even though they were given a short field a lot of times, so far this season, they have not always been able to capitalize on that. This Saturday, they did. They fed the ball to Audrick Estimate a lot. He had 22 carries, finished with 95 yards rushing and two touchdowns, which is huge. I also thought it was interesting how they really limited the carries by all the other running backs. Um, Jeremiah Love was second with three carries for six yards. He never really got it going. Jadarian Price, he had one reception uh, for zero yards, but he had the biggest play of the night when he returned that kickoff return for a touchdown, and I don't know about you, but that's when I lost it because once USC scored and they cut it to 11, I was feeling pretty nervous because the offense really wasn't moving the ball that well for Notre Dame, and I was thinking, oh, man you know, don't give USC life. If they get the ball back down 11, they could score and make this a three-point game just like that. And then Jadarian Price put all of those nerves away by breaking loose for that huge kickoff return touchdown. And before that, it really felt like Notre Dame was starting to do some damage. They actually had three kick returners out there uh in case of bad weather. They wanted to make sure they had enough guys back there. And Devin Ford was ripping off some good returns. He had a long of 28, and he was getting a few more. It's like a, when you watch... Uh, a baseball game and a hitter is fouling off a pitcher and he's making great contact. It's just foul. And you're like, oh, this hitter's got a read on the pitcher. He just needs one more and he's going to straighten this up and hit it out of the park. That's exactly what happened with Jadarian Price. Notre Dame was finding some holes there on the kickoff return unit. And then Jadarian Price finally took it to the house when Notre Dame absolutely needed a big play. They got one from him. So it's stuff like that that is great in the game on Saturday, but I don't know if that's going to carry over week to week. Notre Dame's offense is going to have to step up and make some more plays on a consistent basis, particularly on third downs, if they're going to win out. Because Clemson, their season has been in disarray. I think Notre Dame is better than them, but going into their place at night, this game for them is like the USC game for Notre Dame because they're out of the playoff, but if they were able to get a big win over Notre Dame, that would sort of save their season. Notre Dame is going to have to come ready to play in that one, and their offense is going to have to improve because, frankly, what they've been doing these past few weeks is not cutting it. I'm hoping that after the bye week, they'll be able to rest, regroup, get things figured out so that they can run the table at the end of the season. But that would be my biggest concern about this team. I also think Marcus Freeman and his game management decisions, I really don't understand why he called a timeout there right before the half, and I understand that if he hadn't, he ran the risk of Notre Dame being called for an offsides penalty because Bubacourt, Triari, and even Maris Leofow were celebrating that sack. It's one thing for Triari to be celebrating that, considering. That was like one of his first plays of his college career, and he made an unbelievable strip sack on Caleb Williams. I understand why he's probably losing his mind and celebrating far too long than he should have, but Maris Lee, should have known better, so I really wish that didn't happen. But I think if Marcus Freeman had let it run, the clock would have ran out, and he would not have gifted them three points. In the moment, it felt like that could be a huge deal at the end of the game. and could potentially swing the outcome. Fortunately for us, that did not happen, but it's just those little things. Where you're like, okay, Marcus Freeman is still figuring it out on the job. But I don't want to end on a negative note. Seriously, this was an unbelievable win for Freeman, for the team, for the program, for the fan base. Because look, let's be honest, this hasn't been the most fun couple weeks and really the past couple seasons because last season was not particularly fun all season long. And Saturday was one of the most fun nights I've ever experienced as a Notre Dame fan. And I joked before on the podcast that I wouldn't be able to show my face in public if Notre Dame lost to USC because The lost Ohio State, I have a bunch of family in Ohio. I'm from Louisville, a bunch of friends there. And I'm living in L.A., and I'm surrounded by USC fans. So if I had to hear it from every single corner of my life, all the friends and family that I have would be on my ass about Notre Dame football. It would not be a lot of fun for me. But we're never going to have to worry about that now, are we? Because Notre Dame was able to deliver— They knocked off USC 48-20, and I will be back tomorrow to talk more about this game with my old co-host, Luke Smith. We'll go over the three things that we liked and didn't like from this game, but there was certainly a lot more to like than dislike in this one. But stay tuned for that tomorrow. Make sure that you subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever listening to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at LockdownIrish, on Instagram, at LockdownIrishPod, and my personal Twitter account, at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.